Well, let's give Josh a hand and welcome him up here today. Josh? Not to do. I didn't turn on my microphone. That one was on me, guys. My apologies. It is great to uh, to meet you. I've met some of you in person. Uh, I know a couple of the Oldfield family is very near and dear to my heart, and so it's great to see them. Uh, my name is Josh. I just want to tell you a little bit about myself this morning. Uh, I'm married to Chelsea, who happens to be back there at the table. You'll see that I don't have a wedding ring on. Funny story, actually, we were playing a game called Cat, Taco, Taco, Cat, Goat, Cheese, Chicken, I can't remember what it's called, <laughs> last night with the family, and I actually broke my wedding ring, so how, how crazy is that? I am still married, regardless of the wedding ring. Chelsea's back there, I have four kids, Jensen, Judah, Logan, and Quinn, and they're back there, and my parents are, are back there as well, because I'm from Hamilton, and so this is like... Uh, stepping back home for a little bit. So I'm from Hamilton. Uh, I'm, I'm an avid sports fan. I really like sports. Uh, I'm a huge Reds fan. Um, the Reds, although they, they, just, they let us down all the time. Am I right? <laughs> and so uh, there's not much to root for. It's very difficult to root for that team. And so uh, last year I started to put more energy into the MLS. Uh, and I'm an avid Columbus Crew fan now. And so tonight, are you guys ready? The hell is real rivalry game when the crew beats FC Cincinnati. <laughs> I thought I would get a good reaction out of that. Regardless, also, regardless of what it may look like, uh, I am, I'm, a, I'm kind of a fan of hip-hop. Right? I know that that's shocking when you look at me, uh, but I am a fan of hip-hop. And so this morning, what I want to do, if you will allow me, is I would like to give you a brief history of hip-hop, all right? <laughs> I can see on your faces, you guys are like, what is happening this morning? I'm not going to give a complete in-depth history. If you're interested in that like I am, I encourage you to go home and on Netflix find the, hip -hop of, or the evolution of hip-hop. Uh, it's a fantastic series on Netflix, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of a brief snippet, and I promise you this is going somewhere, all right? I'm not just doing this for the sake of teaching you about hip-hop. Well, how many of you remember record players, right? Now, some of you are like, yeah, like we have, we have we're, we're trying to be retro, and so we're listening to record players, and those things are awesome, but some of you remember like when that was the main way of getting music, right? You had eight-track players as well, but, but we had record players, and, and that's how we would get music. Well, back in the 60s and 70s, uh, in, kind of in the party scene, New York area, Brooklyn, um, there, were, there became what was known as DJs. Now, the DJs came uh, long before that, but, but in this scene, DJs at parties, they would be playing, uh, playing the record players. They would be uh, playing the music for all at the party to hear, and so they would play the music on the records. Well, what some innovative um, DJs found out was that because of the way that uh, the record player uh, spins the record and, and music comes out, that they could actually manipulate the record a little bit in order to kind of create something new and fresh. Specifically, what happened 
was they realized that when there were musical breaks in a song, you could manipulate that record to extend the length of that particular musical break. And so in the midst of the party scene and the music playing, uh, they, could, they could take those records and they could extend that music. Uh, and, and then in that time, um, the, the people at the party, could, they could dance. They could dance for an expend, extended period of time. And it created something new and fresh. Well, then came DJs like DJ Cool, Her- cool Herc and Grandmaster Flash, who you will see up here on the screen. And these guys realized that if they didn't just do this with one record player, but if they brought in a second record player, then the options were endless. Because what they could do was they could manipulate one record during a musical break, and then they could take the other record and they could find similar music breaks with similar beats per minute. And what they could do is they could intersect the sounds of those two songs and create something even more mind-blowing. During these musical breaks, they would intersect these songs together, and that gave the people at the party an opportunity to show off their creativity and dancing, and this is where we get break dancing. Anybody want to demonstrate some break dancing this morning? (laughs) Not me. I'm not doing it. This is where we get break dancing from. The breaks, the musical breaks from one song and the musical breaks from the other intersecting together to create something new and fresh and creative. And I wonder this morning, I told you I was going somewhere, I promise I am. I wonder what happens when God intersects our lives. Right, like when we take the two records and we take the musical breaks and we allow them to intersect, it gives us something new and fresh and creative. I wonder if maybe something similar happens when God intersects our lives. When we encounter Christ, what happens? This morning I want to share a brief story from scripture and it's a rather familiar passage I'm sure that you've heard it but it's found in Luke chapter 10 if you want to follow along uh, like I said it's, it's very familiar but I think that this is going to give us a glimpse of what we want to see what I want to point out when it comes to God intersecting the lives of his people Luke chapter 10 verse 38 through 42 says this As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
There's some different things that I want to kind of make note of or pull from this particular story. But before we do that, I want to kind of remind ourselves of some of the other times that Jesus intersects the lives of people throughout Scripture. Now, I know that uh, you guys have been working through uh, this series called Miracles, where you've been looking at this exact thing. What happens when Jesus intersects the lives of people? What we see through Scripture is miracles happen. People are healed. Lives are transformed. There's some other ones throughout, throughout Scripture. In Luke chapter 8, uh, if you remember, there's this story of a demon-possessed man who lived out among the tombs and the caves. And script, some Scripture says that, some translations say that he, was kinda, he, he lived there naked. And so we've got this naked, demon-possessed man who lived among the dead. And, uh, and Jesus intersects his life, and life as we know it is disrupted. For this man, but also for the community. Because if you remember, Jesus commands that the demons would leave this man and then they would enter into the pigs. And you remember, this is just one of those great stories in Scripture where the pigs just run and fall off the cliff. Like, what kind of stories are we teaching our people here? <laughs> These stories are crazy. But what we see is that when Jesus intersects the lives of people, things change. Life is disrupted. Life was transformed for this Man, he was healed. He was relieved of these demons. In John chapter 4, we've got the familiar story where Jesus goes to this well and there's this woman at the well and Jesus has this conversation that shouldn't have been happening um, given the culture, but Jesus has this conversation with a, with a woman at the well and in this he essentially reveals to her that he is the Messiah that her people have been waiting for and longing for and looking for and when the life of Jesus intersects the life of this woman at the well, transformation takes place. But it's not just the transformation of this woman, right? Remember what happens next. It says she went back to her town, and that town was transformed because Jesus' life intersected the life of the woman at the well. In Mark chapter 5, you've got the, the, the story of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and we see that Jesus is there and, and she touches his garment and physically she is healed. But what I love about this story is that Jesus was not satisfied with just uh, physically healing her. Right? In Jesus, when Jesus intersects the life of this woman, he brings about completeness and wholeness. And ultimately, he reminds her of her real identity when he calls her daughter. And that changes everything. We remember the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 9. Again, Jesus' life intersects the life of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. And Scripture suggests that without Jesus even saying a word, Zacchaeus has a complete change of mind about the life that he has been living. It leads to repentance. Zacchaeus goes from greed and dishonesty to generosity and justice. Zacchaeus, because his life intersected with the life of Jesus, suddenly had the desire to make right that which was wrong. All because of an intersection with the life of Jesus, these people and so many more were transformed. This is just a, a small sampling of the many stories where Jesus does just that. He intersects the lives of people in Scripture. Can we go back to Mary and Martha? 
Here's something that I notice as I'm reading the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up at their house. Jesus showed up where the crazy naked man was who was living among the dead. Jesus showed up where the bleeding woman was. Jesus showed up where Zacchaeus was. How do you know that that's what Jesus does? He shows up. Jesus shows up. What the story of Mary and Martha does for us is it shows us the contrast of two different responses when Jesus shows up. One is distracted. Too busy doing things. Too busy making preparations. Too busy preparing the house. Too busy preparing the meal. Too many other things going on in her mind. Good things, no doubt. But maybe not the best thing. And the other notices Jesus. The other acknowledges Jesus, the other allows herself to have an encounter with Christ, and Jesus declares this to be good. Jesus declares this good. And what I can't help but notice time after time after time is that Jesus always shows up. The mitigating factor here is what we choose to do when Jesus does show up. I wonder, just a point of reflection here, I wonder when was the last time that you allowed yourself to encounter Christ? And what was your response? But I want to go a step further than just asking you about your own encounters with Christ. I want to take it a step further. As Pastor Tim said, I'm a youth pastor. And so as a youth pastor, one of my jobs is to provide opportunities for young people to encounter Christ through different methods. One of these methods that we use to allow young people to encounter Christ is events like, um, like retreats or camps or conferences. And one of the things that I always found myself doing as I was preparing for these events, preparing to take teenagers on these camps, conferences, retreats, whatever these types of events were, what I always found myself doing was praying for Jesus to show up at these events. And then as I was preparing for one particular event a few years ago, I had a realization in my head about how silly that was. Because as I said before, Jesus always shows up. That's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. Jesus always shows up. And so I began to change the way that I would pray, pray leading up to these events. I changed the way that I started challenging my teens in our, in our congregation. How do we pray for these teens as they're preparing for this event? I changed from saying, Jesus, would you show up? And I changed it to say, Jesus, would you give us open eyes, open ears, open hearts that will allow us, allow our teenagers, allow our young people to notice that Jesus does show up. And then when Jesus does show up, what will you do with him? 
What will you do with him? I love it when I look back on a youth event. And I can say, because he always does, Jesus showed up. And my teens encountered him, and their lives are different because their lives intersected the lives of Jesus. There's something that stems from this that has been sticking in my mind as I've reflected on my time in ministry. See, I believe that the way that as we mature in our faith, the way that we encounter Christ changes. And the best way that I can illustrate this is this way. Think of a trip to Kings Island. I hear the teenagers are going to Kings Island tomorrow. I used to go to Kings Island as a teenager, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, several years ago, when uh, I think we just had two kids, maybe, we took a trip to Cedar Point, um, the other roller coaster capital of the world, right? We took a trip to Cedar Point with our kids. And as we were there, I had this realization that the way that I had fun at Cedar Point has dramatically shifted, right? Because when I was young, pre-kids, the way that I would have fun would be jumping on all of the roller coasters and getting all of those thrills for myself, and I had an absolute blast. Now, all of a sudden, I had two kids who would absolutely never get on a roller coaster. They weren't big enough, but even if they were, they absolutely would not get on there. And the way that I had fun dramatically shifted. How did I have fun? Man, can I tell you, I had a blast watching my kids ride the little cars that go around at a half a mile an hour and just go around and around and seeing their faces light up. I had an absolute blast. It was fun. I wasn't riding Top Thrill Dragster. I was watching my kids go round and round and seeing the smile on their face and seeing them enjoy life brought joy to me. I loved it. I had a great time. I don't know if it was worth the $70 or however much it cost, but I had a great time because I was watching my kids have fun. I think that as we mature, as we mature in our walk with Jesus, one of the most significant ways that we can encounter Christ is by watching those who are coming after us encounter Christ. See, when I take my teens to a youth event, to a conference, or to a retreat, or to a camp, the truth is, is the messages aren't geared towards me. The messages are not geared towards me. The music, generally, it's not my cup of tea. It's a little too loud for my ears. Right? It's not my cup of tea. But watching my teens encounter Christ at things like at events like that is something that I do not quickly forget. See, the truth is, is that I oftentimes find myself having encounters with Christ because I'm watching my teens have encounters with Christ. You see what I'm saying here? I just came back from a, a whitewater rafting trip with my teenagers. I, could, I couldn't decide if I wanted to share this story or not. I have a great volunteer. Her name's Cheryl. She's, uh, she'll be 60 years old in, uh, in October. And, uh, and Ms. Cheryl just goes on every single event. And she was not going to turn down an opportunity to go with the teenagers whitewater rafting and high on a high ropes course. There's a great picture, and I didn't have time to get it into my, my, uh, my presentation, but uh, their boat flipped, their, ra uh, their raft flipped, 
and the picture is her, like her feet literally just sticking out of the water, and it's great. <laughs> and now I have pictures and videos of her up on the high ropes course, and it's just like, it's great. Like, it's one of those things that you're like, Cheryl, you, you don't have to do this. Like, but Cheryl gets this. Right, she gets this, that, that that whitewater rafting trip, it wasn't for her. That high ropes course, it wasn't for her. But for her to get to watch the teens that she loves so dearly encounter Christ always, time after time after time, leads to her, her having her own encounter with Christ. Can we go back to the story of Mary and Martha? I can't help but think about how the story of Mary and Martha could have been different. What if, imagine with me for just a second, what if Martha saw Mary having an encounter with Christ and she allowed that in turn to lead to her own encounter with Christ? Rather than being bitter and saying, Mary's not helping me, I'm trying to do this. What if she just saw that Mary was having this encounter with Christ and allowed herself to have an encounter with Christ? she was so caught up in her friend like this is good this is good and I want to be a part of that I wonder continue imagining with me for a second what would our churches look like if our number one goal was to provide opportunities for those coming after us to encounter Christ what if we took it a step further What if our churches were full of people who were mature enough to say, I want to see the next generation encounter Christ. Because in their encountering Christ, I too can encounter Christ. I wonder what our churches would look like if we were full of people who saw that vision. What about you? Again, as I asked before, when was the last time that you allowed yourself to encounter Christ? And as you encountered Christ, what was your response? The truth is, is if it's been a long time, I can tell you this, it's not Jesus who's missing. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. Have you recognized him? Have you allowed yourself to have an encounter with Christ? And then let me ask this question. When was the last time that you actively decided to set aside your desires so that someone else could encounter Christ? When was the last time that you actively took what you want, what your desires were, and you set them aside for the sole purpose of allowing someone else to encounter Christ? And in doing so, having your own encounter with Christ. That's not based on your preferences. That's not based on your desires. But that's based on you seeing someone else encounter Jesus. I'm convinced that that's what the life of discipleship looks like. When was the last time that you experienced that? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much. Um, Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being a God who always shows up.
God, regardless of what we're doing or the, the efforts that we put into things or anything like that, the, the way that logistics play out, God, regardless of all of that, thank you that you are a God who shows up and that consistently and faithfully shows up. God, I pray that you will, you will teach us what it looks like to be receptive uh, and, and to recognize you showing up in our lives. That you would allow us to have encounters with you, with the living Christ that transform our lives. God, we confess that there are times in our lives where our desires and our preferences and the things that we want to do probably get in the way of other people encountering you. So God, we confess that and we repent of that. God, would you show us what it looks like to pave the way for those who come after us to, uh, to allow them opportunities, to provide them opportunities to encounter you. And God, I truly believe that as we do that, as we see other people encounter you, that we too can encounter you. God, again, we thank you. Um, we thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.